Listening to Prime by Cortex, a podcast where we sit down to talk Cortex Prime news, mechanics, and interview folks who are writing for the Creator Studio. I'm Kirby, and I'm here with my co-host JT. Hey! And in today's episode, we're sitting down with Melly. Hello. Very excited to have you. Super duper excited to be here. I have been enjoying this podcast quite a bit. Ah, oh, thank you so much. We appreciate hearing that people in the actual business are aware of the podcast <laughs> yeah we we notice you we're watching yeah at least i am <laughs> i appreciate it yeah uh so melly uh you are currently employed by fandom right how long have you been with fandom and in your own words uh, what kind of work do you do with fandom yeah uh i've been with fandom for a couple of years now i guess like two and a half ish years it's been an exciting journey i am currently the Cortex RPG and D&D Beyond Community Manager. Uh, when we're recording this, that just happened yesterday. So it's very fresh, exciting news. I call it my Cinderella story um, because I was a super big fan of D&D Beyond, got really into it, was super active, just became a part of the community. And then I became a moderator. Then uh, Lauren Urban, who was the D&D Beyond Community Manager before me, she wanted some extra help, asked me, and uh, since then I've just been like doing more and more little things, which grew into Cortex community management and this now, uh, my amazing life that I never expected to have two years ago working in tabletop gaming. It's incredible. Yeah, that's super cool. And I guess, um, you know, I personally am amazed by I've heard so many people talk about how they got their start in the industry just by being involved and just being a fan. Eventually, their sort of participation and contributions led to them actually getting a job doing, you know, what they love. So that's really cool to hear that. Yeah, they always say, you know, right place, right time. But I really think it's all about the right place, right attitude. And just do the thing that you love and work hard at it and be nice. And people are usually going to notice that. Yeah, definitely word to the wise. So uh, how did you actually get into uh, the hobby in the first place, role-playing and all that? I have always loved creating stories. Uh, I was the kid who did the most extravagant make-believes and wrote hundreds of pages of stories as a kid. And so tabletop role-playing was an easy jump from that, a place to share my imagination with friends. So I actually got into it because of a... Um, boyfriend of my sisters, they wanted a cleric, as everybody does, and they didn't have anybody willing to play one. So the little sister gets asked, come and heal us, and you can sit at the table with these cool older people. I thought it was the cool older people sitting at the table in the basement playing tabletop games. Yeah, from my uh, from my experience, little sisters are very good in those spots. I actually had mine uh, DM one time when I was younger. Because uh, I wanted to play, I didn't want to DM, so I was just like went to my like eight year old sister. Was like, "Hey, this is Dungeons and Dragons. Would you mind running an adventure?" <laughs> <laughs> it's so true, and we're so eager. We're like, "You want you want to hang out with me?" I mean, yeah, I'll hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, so as far as like getting involved in Cortex, when that exactly happened in your sort of trajectory uh, to where you are today? My first brush with Cortex was super long ago, 10 or 11 years, and it was supernatural. A friend of mine, we watched like the show together at that time. That was when it was like coming out still. And I guess it might still be coming out. I don't know. I stopped following along, but we watched it together and they were like, did you know this was a thing? And we started playing it and we didn't last long just because it was hard to get together at that time. It stuck in my mind. And then a year, two years ago, there was just some rumblings about it again. And then last year with everything happening with Cortex Prime actually coming out and everything, I've dove in head first and now it's all I want to do. And my friends will tell you that I am very annoying with how I just tell them, oh, we want to play a game. Mm, I can do that in Cortex. We don't need another game. We'll just, it's Cortex. We'll just do it in Cortex. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, and at this point, you're neck deep in the Cortex. Uh, not only are you involved as a moderator of the server, uh, your work at Fandom, but you're also on the actual play Rolling Keep. Uh, which is on Twitch and YouTube, you all just finished Hammerheads. And for listeners at home who haven't been following, they're about to do Tales of Exadia. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's super awesome. I am super glad that I get to do it because it's with very cool people like, I don't know, like Cam Banks, the person who made the game. So playing with him is incredible as well as joe star lisa pearl vanessa guerrero uh, and we had adam bradford with us in hammerheads he will not be joining us in tales of zadia but he was amazing it's just such a like cool fun thing to get to do as a work engagement so d can you tell us at all about who may be coming back or if there are any new faces for uh, tales of Exadia? Uh, yeah, nothing, uh, nothing that we can say as far as, uh, if there's going to be somebody coming back or maybe like a guest star, but it is something obviously okay. would be very, very exciting for us. Um, but I can say that we're going to be playing through the official playtest, So the Lost Oasis. Oh, um, so you'll get to see us go through it, us learning it. Um, because as familiar as Cam is with it, and I'm pretty familiar with it, um, you know, Vanessa, Lisa, and Joe aren't as steeped in it all. So it, it really is, here's us teaching everybody how to play this and learning and look at how this goes down at an actual table. And it's going to be pretty fun. We'll be playing playtest characters, the ones that are in the package. So you'll see how those work out and how to use the different effects on their sheet. So I think it'll be a really good like learning tool for a lot of people coming into the community that are only familiar with the Dragon Prince and don't really know what Cortex is or even what a tabletop role-playing game is. Uh, so it's a really exciting opportunity to get to show that on stream. Yeah, I was actually really excited uh, when I got the PDFs for it the other day and uh, I was looking forward to running that. So it might be actually really good to get to sort of watch how that works in practice first. So thank you. I'll definitely uh, be taking notes. <laughs> I think Tails is trying to take some of the Cortex mechanics and do something a little different uh, with them than what's already been laid out. And I'm pretty excited for that. Now, for our listeners who don't know, uh, haven't watched Roll and Keep yet, it is supposed to be like a rotational thing. So we have Tales of Exadia next, but afterwards, you're actually going to be jamming your own campaign, right? 
Yes, uh, originally it was going to be Eidolon Alpha, which is the setting I will be GMing uh, coming up after Hammerheads. And then it just made sense. If we're putting out this Dragon Prince playtest, we should just play some Dragon Prince. It'll be amazing. Uh, but I will be running Eidolon Alpha coming up, and it's going to be awesome. Eidolon Alpha is one of the settings in the Cortex Prime game handbook, and it is uh, a Greek mythology-inspired setting. Um, you know, I was, you know, the nerd that nerds would push into lockers as a kid. I loved mythology to a, an embarrassing level, I would say. Uh, so I'm very excited to get to do that one. That's definitely, like, my favorite of the handbook. Uh, and it's going to be pretty wonderful. We have art done for the characters already, and they look great. It's going to be super duper fun. Ooh, I'm excited. I mean, I was already excited before, but now it's, hearing you say that makes me even more excited. Yes, just the the crazy things that I'll get to pull from my like mythology background. Let's be fair, though. It is like my third to fifth grade mythology background. I'm not some smart person. I'm just a nerd. Now I'm right there with you. I I'm pretty much just like a YouTube Wikipedia scholar uh, when yes. I pull <laughs> stuff for that kind of thing. And I and I also love Greek mythology. Yeah, we we have the trivia. Oh, for down. sure. <laughs> Roll and keep's been uh, really cool, and so I know you know Cam's been running that, and I I know you played sort of like Russian uh, sort of former KGB character in that, and I. Uh, that looked like a lot of fun, actually. Yes, and you were yeah. also sort of like the quartermaster, if I'm not mistaken, as well, right? Because you were sort of keeping track of uh, the items and things. Exactly. Yeah, I was the default person to do that because I was the next most familiar with the rules after Cam. Uh, I mean, which that's that's a wide gap there between game designer and Melly, but it, it <laughs> is uh, still, still a good spot to be in. Um, but I was the one that had the most familiarity, so they just defaulted to you know what you take care of that and we're going to focus on learning the game and being amazing people well i've also seen that you have some pretty awesome spreadsheets out there too so i imagine that those come in handy too i do love my spreadsheet yeah well same with same here so thank you very much for uh for what you do with that stuff it helps everybody in the community so yeah as much as uh I don't want to be associated with my Russian hacker character. Mm. You know, there's there are parts of my ability to manipulate technology that are, you know, helpful to the situation and are, are not hacking, but that impress the people around me because they're maybe not from my same generation. They're just like generally well done spreadsheets, to be fair, like... Uh, for for our listeners specifically, we're talking about the character sheets that Millie has done for Cortex uh, for her games, and that she's put out there. And I've I've spent an embarrassing amount of time trying not to like do the scripting that you've done, but you've you really took it to like the next level with your uh, spreadsheets. Yeah, I really just wanted to make a super easy experience to force my players to play Cortex um, because. That's what I wanted to GM. So I was like, mm, if I just make this really easy, they can't say no. Because they'll have these great easy tools that they'll just click on buttons and it'll make their dice pool when they click the buttons. Uh, so I put in a lot of time in that, but it was totally worth it because it made it, again, they actually were willing to try a new game with me. And now I will not let them escape. <laughs> well, yeah, you got to hold on to them while you can, you know. 
the role playing groups don't come around, you know, just out of nowhere. So exactly. Yeah, I do the same fishing with my players with be like, well, you, you want to play <laughs> Avatar The Last Airbender? You've been talking about that for a while. I know the perfect game for you and just get the foot in the door, uh, whether it's like fancy spreadsheets or just like their favorite IP. Like you just got you just got real new people in, I think. Exactly. Just give them a taste, just a little sample, and then they'll be hooked. <laughs> and they're they're stuck with you. You're their dealer now. You're their cortex dealer. Melly, you don't actually just do spreadsheets, right? You've been doing some writing for Cortex, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, a little bit, a little bit here and there. I have like a bunch of projects that I can't share because either it's just like this is a hundred percent my like personal world and this cortex document is a hundred pages and I would not force that on anybody or it's like this is an actual IP and so I have to just keep this to myself even though I think it's really really cool uh, but I do have one that I shared uh, that is called half-hearted it was for the uh, second cortex confab which for those who don't know is we have uh, 10 days to create a Cortex setting or a mod or some other kind of like Cortex content. I wanted to do a dating sim Cortex game. I, I was inspired by a friend who had tried to uh, do a dating sim in another system that I that wasn't quite as good a fit. And so I was like, I'm going to try to figure this out. And then it became like a monster dating sim because I was thinking like, what's better than people dating? And it's monsters. Like, I want to see, like, the werewolf and the creature from the Black Lagoon trying to woo each other. Like, that sounds great. Uh, so it kind of ended up turning more in that direction the farther I got with it. But it's kind of fun, kind of cute. Yeah, you know, I uh, wasn't familiar or as familiar with that uh, whole genre of otome. But, uh, you know, I... I was like looking over that, you know, because I was reading through your confab and uh, I thought that was very creative. I actually was surprised by how well Cortex could be adapted into like a dating simulator. Yeah, that's like the thing that I've just fallen head over heels for Cortex with is just you can do anything with it. There is a confab spotlight that we put on, uh, I want to say it's Burden of Proof by Element that was like the GM and the players are actually in competition with each other. They're still telling a story together, but they have different like end goals for this game. And I was like, that's such a cool idea. And you can do that in Cortex because you can just make these mechanics really fit so many different cool creative ideas for whatever you want to do. Yeah. And I, I think it's just really unique, you know, because there are obviously, you know, Cortex games that like focus on things like relationships, like there was Smallville and things like that. But uh, especially for something as intimate, that's like a dating simulator i thought that it's kind of really cool uh and it sort of requires players i think a bit to sort of put themselves out there and be vulnerable just to sort of get into the uh genre and you've got all the stuff there for it you know you're basically focusing almost entirely on these relationships between the characters and seeing how those pan out yeah it really is and and one thing i wanted to do with that because it is a much more uh, like sensitive thing to be role playing about, uh, comfort level wise, is to like point out the ways that you could do this without like one set GM. So everybody kind of feels 
uh, like they're all in control of these different characters. So, you know, it's, it's less like one-on-one this GM has to flirt with everybody at the table. Uh, So I put in a a bit where there's a bit of like a rotational GMing. So each scene, a different person will take that on. Uh, And then, you know, you go through setting up the scene and you go around the table and everybody kind of adds in an aspect of the location. They add, uh, you know, here's this GMC that's here and everybody's going to add in you know, what is their style? What's their gender presentation? What's their reputation? Um, so everybody kind of gets to work together to build these characters. So then everybody kind of is invested in whatever romance or quirks that they come up with. It's not for every group, but I do think that, it, you know, you get the right people together and it can be a really like heartfelt time or a really just funny, campy enjoyment. In addition to sort of the creative world building, one thing I really liked was how you have these different ways of expressing your feelings and love. And I thought that that was really cool because it just felt really true to life for me. Like some people, you know, make uh, like gestures of, you know, gifts or things like that. And other people just want to spend time with you. And there's just like all these different ways for people to sort of interact and express their feelings. And I thought that that's something that you don't see a lot in, uh, a lot of role-playing games, even the ones that do focus on more of the social aspects and the relationships. So very cool for you to uh, go there and do that. Yeah, I definitely, I will say that like uh, having, so that's, uh, I believe you're referring to distinctions. I have love language as one of the distinctions. It was like the very first thing that came to me with this entire thing was, hey, those like love languages, like you read that book or like you take the quiz, like what's my love language? That's exactly like that has to be the core of this game has to be love languages. How do I make that fit in? How do I make that important to the GMCs so that there's some kind of like interaction between what you're doing for somebody and what they want? Uh, And so it was it was pretty fun trying to kind of build around that idea of love languages and then getting everything else to fit in with that. That was good. For uh, listeners at home, too, uh, if you go ahead and check out uh, Half Hearted, Melly also uses a lot of the different trait sets and components from the Cortex Prime handbook and sort of shows how they can really flow together flawlessly. So even though you have all these different components, they're sort of all working together to, you know, set the mood and, you know, emphasize the themes and highlight the different character options and things. So really great example of how to uh, put all those elements together to uh, create the uh, setting you're trying to go for. We'll get a uh, link in the show notes, maybe, so that uh, it'll be easier for our listeners to check that out. Duh. Well, thanks. For Half-Hearted, is it more of a like one-shot scenario type thing, or can it be long-form, or can it do both? Yeah, so it can do both. Uh, so you can definitely run it one and done. Um, and then at the end, so I, I use, I take the um, growth mod, uh, the growth pool mod from the Prime Handbook, and I turn that into like how you grow the relationships that you create. So you're going to be building up a pool of dice with a GMC or even a PC. Then at the end of a session, if you want to improve the relationship with that person, you want to ask them out on a date. If you're already dating them and you want to like ask them to go steady <laughs> or something like that, then you're going to gather up your pool of dice and you're going to try to roll them to improve that relationship. So then you have a tag scene where you're going to, you know, ask them out on a date. 
So on a one shot, that would be, you know, the end of the session and we're going to go around the table and everybody will have their tag scene of asking their person on this date, whoever they've been trying to, to romance for the session. And a longer term campaign, then maybe people aren't doing that every session. That may be like longer journeys to those uh, relationships that you can kind of go through as you progress through the story. Yeah, and it seems kind of like the genres too. I know that you um, created, was it called Dark and Stormy, I think was the uh, setting that you came up with. And like you were saying, that's sort of like monster love and things like that. But it really looks mm-hmm. like it's a great framework that you could pretty much, you know, incorporate almost any type of setting you want within the context of like the dating simulator. Exactly. Yeah. I originally actually had three ideas for different like settings that you could stick half-hearted onto. And I was going to do them all. And then I was like, 10 days is not enough time to actually do that. So I will instead pick one, my favorite, which was monsters, because I love stories about weird things falling in love. That's just very charming to me. Uh, and also my friend and friends and I have jokes about that kind of stuff that just appeal to us. So Dark and Stormy went out, but I also had like a fantasy centered one uh, and a sci-fi centered one. And you could do one that is just, you know, slice of life, just a normal world, no special powers or anything, just normal people. I like that a lot. I um I have made it a little bit of an annual thing to do a sort of dating situation is specifically emulating Hallmark movies. Uh, but I would love to actually uh, bring this to the table next time I run that. Would you say that it's more of a well, well, it sounds like it's pretty flexible in terms of what kind of romance is going on. Um, I, I kind of imagine that it, it could it's maybe not so much for Hallmark, but more for like man, me realizing that I just I don't read too much like romance or play too many dating sims because I, I can't think of anything other than Dream Daddy at this very moment. Uh, I mean, you could definitely, like a Hallmark movie, oh my god, I love that idea. And I think that it would totally work with this idea. And I would honestly love to see that to the point where I'm going to mark down that I should go through and do the revisions I need to do so that you have a a more playable game to do that with, because that is amazing. The, The key component to any good Hallmark game is really just introducing ice on the on the floor that someone could slip on to then fall into the arms of whomever they're going to fall in love with that uh, that session absolutely well and i think you have in those movies and just in like romance in general as you have uh you know places where there's you know a misunderstanding or or you know a, a conflict of people's values where they're just not quite like meeting in the middle and i think you could do that with this and mm-hmm. Uh, also, like in, I use the stress mod in this as well, but I've attached it to values, which it's possible somebody has absolutely done that. Uh, I haven't seen it yet, but I was like, that makes sense here. And I'm using shaken and stricken, which I've renamed rebuffed and rejected, so that your values are what are taking stress. So you're maybe having those challenged in order to have a better relationship with somebody because. Nobody gets completely along with the people that they love. There's always disagreements in those values. Uh, so that was really important to me. And I think that that could be like narrated in such an overdramatic and soap opera-y kind of way that like the Hallmark movie would have an amazing emotional climax. 
I, I think it needs that, to be honest, whether it's like a Hallmark movie, which, you know, they they frankly like hone in straight to the romance as quick as they can. But uh, I think with any like romance medium, you know, if you want to do something more than a short story, then you need to have those conflicts to like, you know, drag on for longer than uh, an hour in terms of like screen time. Right. Uh, And so as a session, like I I imagine if you're doing a two to four hour session, uh, you need to have those misunderstandings. And, you know, I I imagine that the payoff there is going to work out like wonderfully. I was going to say even the idea, though, that, you know, there are different sort of like sub genres and just like different types of romance stories out there. And it seems like this really would be a good framework, I think, to be able to explore those different kinds of uh, ideas and themes, you know, whether, you know, it's things like unrequited love or, you know, uh, the couple that has like the misunderstanding or goes through a fight and then, you know, sort of learns to accept the things that that they don't necessarily care for, like, you know, learn to appreciate their differences, things like that. So it just seems like there's a lot of potential there. And honestly, if there's anybody listening to this who uh, wants to just make a setting in Half-Hearted that's completely different than the horror-y one that I have, I would love to see it. There's so many different dating sims out there in the world, uh, and they are all delightful, even the one that is about pigeons. Or KFC. Anything can be a dating sim. (laughs) I I was not aware of that. (laughs) Uh, It is very delightful. I'm trying to remember what it's called, but... It is a delightful look at Atome games. And I'm, there we go, Hakuful Boyfriend. So. Ooh, I know that one. Take a look at that because uh, it's, it is great. And again, a dating game can be anything. So you've been working on this project and you've been working on other like more personal projects and stuff. What have you learned doing any of these projects uh, that you think other creators should keep in mind when they're doing their own work? Oh, man, great question. I guess don't get stuck on something because that is a problem, I think, that can be really easily uh, fallen into. Uh, With Half-Hearted, I had what my three prime sets were going to be, and I was building around that, and I was really set on this one mechanic that I was going to use. And I just kept getting stuck and I couldn't figure out how to make it work. Ended up completely changing my original plan other than the love languages is the only thing that I kept. Uh, And that's happened with pretty much all of the things that I've done even for myself is that I had one idea, it seemed great, and then I hit a wall with it and changed it. So don't get too attached to your prime sets. I even tell my players in my fantasy world is... If we decide partway through that we don't really like this trait set that I picked, let's just change it because we can do that. So just feel really comfortable going with the flow and feeling what actually works best for your setting and don't get stuck on what you think would work best. Wow. Yeah. I I think that that's definitely advice that we could all take to heart because even I know when I was working on my confab too, I was just sort of like really just going back and forth figure out, oh, how do I want to uh, implement this? And like, what's the best way to represent what I want to do? But I I feel like that's a good attitude to have is sort of, you know, be open to changing things that you don't Mm -hmm. think work and just sort of experiment and stuff like that. Try everything, everybody. Try everything. Uh, Maybe not in the same game, 
in the same game session. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> you should absolutely try to try like you should try all the traits that Cortex has and just take them for a test drive, even if it's just for a session or two. Yeah, you might like see a trait set and think, eh, not for me. And then you play with it and you realize, oh, actually, like this kind of fills a niche that I really wanted to have filled. Speaking of niches, I, I, I don't know how much you would want to comment this or not, but do you have any either genres or settings that you would really like to see, you know, be uh, implemented in Cortex or like see someone's take on it? I love witches, so I want a really cool witchy something. Uh, I kind of tried to do it myself and I've given up on it for now, but I want something witchy for sure. Uh, and I, I want like something that's a really cool horror something, something that really evokes horror in a great way, because um, I, I love horror movies. So I, those are my two big ones. Something witchy doesn't have to be horror. It could be like teen witches doing you know, fun magic stuff like the craft, or it could be super horrific and just combine both those ideas. I'm, I'm not sure if we're going to cut this out or if we're going to go there or not, but uh, Kirby has a really great horror uh, idea for cortex that i actually got to uh play test and i didn't know if you wanted to talk about that on this show or not kirby at all just now that melly's brought it up tell me oh i'll I'll talk about it like first we gotta tackle what is horror no i'm kidding (laughs) uh part two of this episode (laughs) yeah but yeah i have um two horror games ideas and only one of them has hit the table so far uh tentatively called jump scare and it's supposed to like replicate the sort of slasher horror movies so like players are your typical archetypes and uh i, I think the big thing that i want out of that is like when your character dies um that's not at the end of your gameplay you'll be able to play as like a lost soul and you'll be able to still engage with the game but during gameplay while you're still alive um you're basically accumulating XP to then spend in your afterlife to help the remaining survivors or to have a say in the story, that kind of stuff. And then the other ones, like I, I really personally would love like a horror game. That's kind of like haunting of Hill house. Right. Yes. Uh, but I feel like that needs like its own cortex build as compared to like a slasher film. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Jump scare sounds super fun though. Uh, how do I Get a look at that because I want to look at it. I, I well, if you want, I can send you a hundred JPEGs of all <laughs> the uh, napkin notes I've taken. Um, but yeah, I've I've started a small server for it, and I should really get on the horn of like cleaning up the document and actually like letting other people run it. Uh, but yeah, I could I could send that your way. Yes. But yeah, like I think there's a lot of room for I think just magical settings whether we're talking like witches or you know we want to do like harry potter knockoffs or whatever have you i think what could be interesting is like a sabrina chili adventures like netflix Mm -hmm. type thing but then uh you know there's also a lot of fun to be had with say like the new uh run of the buffy the vampire slayer comics which actually gives willows uh, her own spinoff where she's a witch and I mean, I would absolutely want to explore that mm-hmm. uh, sort of setting in Cortex. Yeah. And like even The Craft had a sequel that came out last year. So like witches are in. Let's make lots of witch things. 
If you do have a witch cortex creation, please give it to me. Send it to me. I want to read and play it. <laughs> yeah. Send it to Kirby and me too. You know, send it our way and maybe we'll get you on the show to talk about it. Who knows? I'm pretty sure Millie has the Cortex Discord server set up in such a way that as soon as you link it to the Discord, it just tags Millie. Yeah, it gives me a little alert on my phone. Hey, somebody <laughs> put the witch game up, so go play it. Uh, yeah, so yeah, if you do have that, the Cortex Discord is where you should definitely drop it, and I'll see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's also, uh, we, we talked about the confab earlier, but that's also where the confab discussion and action happens too. Um, and, you know, those confabs happen periodically. Uh, and yeah, it's just 10 days of people. It's like any writer's room, right? It's 10 days of people lamenting over their work and then finally pushing it out. And people have just pushed out like wonderful stuff. Like I, like you talked about how the, uh, what was it? Elements yeah. uh, was posted as the uh, highlight feature. That was the one that I reviewed. And that's also part of the confab is uh, you'll, you'll post your workout and two people are supposed to review it. And yeah, it's just, it's a fun time. So just come to Discord server, I guess is all I'm saying. Yeah, it's a super great space for creators. And yeah, the confab uh, is a just super cool time. Just seeing what comes out of it. When I first started with Cortex, one of the first things we did was the first confab. Uh, and I was blown away by the things that people created and it inspired me so much to be like, okay, this is a real amazing thing and I need to do everything in my power to make it awesome and popular and and show people all these cool things that people can make using this cortex. Yeah, one of the things I noticed with the um with the more vocal confab writers to say the least because I'm sure there's a lot of people who are doing the confabs and maybe not submitting something or whatever have you, right? But I do notice that there are a lot of people who are participating in the confab who have written stuff for other other game systems like mm-hmm. D&D or whatever have you, uh, like Jeremy Forbing, who we had on the show. He's he's done stuff for D&D. But basically where I'm going with this is, Melly, have, have you written work outside of these confabs for other systems that people can maybe check out? I have, actually. Uh, I've done uh, just some mechanics stuff for D&D 5th edition. Uh, I have a couple of uh, stuff subclasses up on the DM's Guild, including an Artificer one that I made even like look pretty and stuff. So pretty fancy. Uh, and then on D&D Beyond, where I have an account, obviously, because I'm the community manager, I got a ton of homebrew that I posted over there. You know, smaller stuff than a, a whole game but it's still pretty fun. Oh yeah, we'll definitely put those in the show notes too cuz uh people deserve to see it. <laughs> <laughs> and uh and also uh going back to the um to the uh, Cortex Prime uh, Discord server, one of the other draws is Melly is there too, so you'll get a chance to uh talk to her and tell her how much you uh loved her interview on our show and how she should come on it again. <laughs> Yeah, there's me there, there's Cam there, the designer of the game, uh, Dan Telver, who's the narrative uh, designer for the game, uh, is also in there. He doesn't like talk much, but he is present and might, you know, come out of his shell on occasion. But yeah, there's lots of amazing people to talk to on there, including JT and Kirby are there. Yeah, yeah, you know, we, we kind of yeah. work. Yeah, we're, we're, we're around. Yeah. <laughs> 
Uh, but yeah, you'll also find just like all the other confab writers. But you know what? We uh, JT and I would be remiss if we didn't inspire you like we inspired Jeremy for being to write Vampire Mechs to do another project. Uh, but whether you do another project or not, we definitely want to have you back on the show, whether it's like the completed final version of Half-Hearted, which I'm personally looking forward to. Or uh, maybe you've finally taken up the mantle for writing some witch stuff. Maybe. It is bare bones written. I have mm. one page. Are witches uh, featured in Half-Hearted? Uh, yeah, there is There is a witch archetype as one of the dark and stormy ones. And, and the archetypes are pretty simple in there. They're just kind of like some highlight values and an SFX. Uh, but the witch I actually haven't even finished like I said, half-hearted to not get a hundred percent done and ready. Yeah, well, that's fine. I, I think it definitely uh, you can definitely make it work with what you've got, and also uh, that's what confabs are for. Kind of is just getting it out there, getting feedback, and being able to work on it if you want, or you mm-hmm. know, then you can always go for a totally different thing uh, the next time. Speaking of which, um, uh, I just need to say, and you don't have to comment at all, but I would love to be able to participate in another confab. So I'm looking forward to potentially more in the future. Yes. Uh, I'm actually happy to say that we'll definitely have more in the future. Uh, I think you can look forward to uh, a couple this year and that we may be looking into doing some, uh, you know, some themes for some confabs. So there'll be some fun stuff coming. Yeah, it's really weird. I, I think you were saying that you, the next theme was going to be witch base. I- <laughs> my evil plan has been revealed uh that's so melly are you more of a cortex player or gm uh when when you're not on roll and keep not on roll and keep definitely more of a gm uh that's i've been just a gm through most of my uh, tabletop career, it's where I'm just used to being. But, you know, if people want a GM for me, I'll, I'll take it. It sounds like you're largely coming from a D&D background, right? Do you have any advice for uh, dungeon masters who are looking to make the jump into being a Cortex game moderator? Yes, uh, it is not as complicated as you think. Whenever you go from like one rules language to another one it's gonna seem difficult and there's like words that are the same but they mean different things all of a sudden and that's the biggest uh hurdle that i found with helping some of my players learn cortex when they've just played D for a decade two decades and then myself when i was first jumping into it is that it is simpler than you think like just step back and and don't overthink it because it is really more about what you're doing narratively than what all the teeny tiny, there's not teeny tiny mechanical pieces. There's big, easily applicable mechanical pieces. And then there's the narrative weight that you put behind those mechanical pieces. And that's what makes Cortex into something that can be a really cool experience at the table. Yeah, I think once it clicks for people... And I, I think it could take part of a session before like it finally clicks that, mm-hmm. oh, I could do that. Or for some people, I think it's like, oh, I'm I'm making I'm priming this game for my players. We're switching from D&D for the first time and it clicks then or sometimes it clicks during like character creation. Mm-hmm. Like whenever it clicks, it's it's a wonderful thing, I think. 
Yeah, I had a big like, oh, moment. Uh, I was watching. Uh, it was actually there was an event we did where people made a Hammerheads agent in the Discord. And then people voted on who their favorite agents were. And those people got to play in a game with Cam jamming for them. And I watched that game and I, you know, took some notes and stuff and watching that game, watching Kim run it and these amazing people playing it, I was like, oh, I get it. And I think that that moment is, like you said, that's what hits at some point. It just like, oh, it clicked. I get this game now. I I would say definitely like for anyone listening, if you want to, you know, we're still like pretty sparse as far as like, Cortex actual plays, you know, we have Into the Motherlands, we have Roll and Keep. Uh, but if you want to start like getting into Cortex and uh, having it click for you before you hit the table, one potential way is maybe to like look at the mechanics and literally just watch TV. Because I think Cortex is like far more cinematic, far more the speed of plot type of thing compared to D&D. Totally. Every time I'm watching a TV show or a movie these days, I'm like, ooh, that's this thing. That's this mechanic. This is like, you could totally run this in Cortex. Yeah, that's when you know you've really got the system is when you start watching things and it's like, oh, this is totally, you know, the game right here. <laughs> yes, prime everything. Do you have any particular, like, favorite moments, uh, whether funny or just holy crap, Cortex totally made that happen or whatever have you uh, in your play experience, Millie? Um, hmm. Honestly, I think the biggest thing is just every time I play, the freedom that I feel to actually just do what I think the character would do, um, which has led to just really great things. Hmm. I guess I pulled one. I was doing playtesting for Dragon Prince and I was playing Benetta, because uh, she's the best. I'm also playing her in the uh, live stream for Roll and Keep because I love her. She's a Sunfire Elf. Uh, sunfire Elves are, you know, like touched by the sun. They have kind of fire magic. They forge swords using this magic. So they have these amazing swords that are super hot and can cut through anything. Uh, and the GM uh, ended up having this hitch that my brother character had caused this big problem that made this kid we were trying to save fall uh, like I think off a tree and fall unconscious and we had nobody with any kind of medical skills at all this kid though was a sunfire elf and it was in a cave or something like that and I was like well could I use my sword to like heal this kid because you know this this is the sunfire it's from the place where our power comes from so like could i just like heal them with it and then gm was like sure roll for it and i feel like in a lot of other games you're told exactly like what your things do and that moment of freedom was like oh my god i can just really do any cool thing that makes sense and it'll be so fun yeah i've definitely found cortex is a pretty permissive system when it comes to that sort of stuff, which I think is great too. Definitely. It's all about the narrative and, you know, basically being able to do what you want with it. Yeah. I think it does the role of cool, a better service than just hand-waving something. Right. Cause I, I think cortex, uh, not only lets people do the role of cool, but you know, it can, it's, it's supported by the mechanics. 
Yeah, it lets you really live that character authentically. Like I was playing a D&D uh, session and it was incredibly fun. The GM was so clever and whimsical and amazing, but there was no combat. So a lot of the things that we have on our character sheets uh, don't do anything. And then the things that we were doing, even though it would make sense for certain characters to have been good at these things, because it's not on their sheet, it doesn't happen. Uh, so I really loved how Cortex can let you do really weird esoteric things. And if it makes sense for your character to be able to do them, that you can just do them. Because narratively, of course. Yeah, we don't need to have like over a couple hundred skills just to be able to represent your character in Cortex, which I think is wonderful. Uh, so one of the things that we do on the show is we try to prime a setting or a genre and we'll even take mashups do you have a mashup for us to prime oh boy i mean i said witches earlier let's mash witches with something say witches and cooking let's mash that up there's the name boom okay witches brew we've got it all right (laughs) (laughs) yeah Melly, we have talked about Half-Hearted Today. We've talked about the Confab. We've talked about Roll and Keep. Are there anything else you want to plug while we still have you? Oh, man. No, I just say come join the Cortex Discord. Watch Roll and Keep. Uh, follow us on Twitter for all of the news and everything because it's going to be a very fun year for Cortex. Awesome. And where can listeners find you? Yes, you can find me on Twitter at MillieDM. It's really cool to get people who are so involved with the Cortex project, if you want to call it that, um, and just really getting to hear some info and uh, perspectives from people who are just really close to it, I think is always a really cool and unique opportunity. So thank you so much for coming on and talking with us for the hour. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's been super fun. About does it? Uh, this has been our interview with the uh, Melly, the community manager for Cortex and D and D Beyond. We hope that you have uh, great Cortex games and that you enjoy what's coming out in the future. We'll be back in your airwaves soon. You can find us at PBC Podcast at d20radio.com. You can also find us at Twitter at Primed by Cortex facebook we've got community group there and as we've mentioned earlier you can find us on the official cortex discord and all that stuff is going to be in the show notes for you uh so yeah until next time see ya bye